Thank you for having me here. It's wonderful to be in Amsterdam. And today, what I really wanted to talk about was uh, what makes good customer service and perhaps how can artificial intelligence help enhance those experiences. Zendesk is a cloud-based customer service product company. Uh, I joined them in 2010 after they'd moved from Copenhagen to San Francisco. And at that point, they had 5,000 customers and no salespeople. So the product was just discover, try, buy on the web, which was fairly new for enterprise software. And the way that, um, you know, the secret magic, the formula to selling in that way was really having customer service agents who would just help you, not hard sell you, just kind of say, all right, you know, you can configure it in this way and build the product in this way. And, you know, that's how you have a good experience. And, you know, we did hire salespeople, we did grow the business, but it's interesting to think about what makes good customer service because I think there's some confusion about that, right? I think we all, uh, the natural reaction is to associate sort of uh, luxury hotel type experiences with customer service, right? We have uh, offices around the world and I've stayed in, you know, some super fine hotels in Singapore and you have a butler and the guy's like, I've run a bath for you, sir. And you're kind of like, whoa, that's a little weird. Um, but it's, it, it matches this idea of what's great customer service. But I think real examples of what great customer service is are totally different, right? Like for me, it's, you know, I wanted to talk to someone, so I went to the website to look for the phone number, and it was there. You know, the shoes didn't fit, so I returned them. Um, I wanted to update my credit card number, so I did. You know, it's, it's very simple things. It's meeting customer expectations and doing it without getting in the way that's actually enjoyable. Um, I recently needed a filter for a diesel generator, and I'm, you know, I couldn't figure out which one to have. So I went to the website, dieselfilters.com, real website, and I looked and there was a number and I called the number, it was there, and someone answered. It was like, oh. And then Bob, the guy who answered, it was a little bit like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. He's kind of like, hey, how you doing? Um, you know, we have a conversation and he answers the question and it's super cool and then I order the filters and then the box comes and Bob's written, here you go, Adrian, glad I could help, on the box. And I'm like, wow, that's, in a box, how great connections are made with customers and how things should be done. And what really that represents is just this idea of, you know, as a brand, just do what you say you're gonna do. And customer expectations have changed, right? Customer service has changed. I think, you know, we have to think about customer service being the product now. Customer service is what defines brands. So many things that services provide, things that we offer, right? We're all, we're all used to being able to order a car or a bicycle or food and it, you know, it shows up within five minutes to 40 minutes, right? And um, we've, we're spoiled, I think. Or we could, it's easy to say that we're spoiled. I think you could think about a first generation business like Bob's diesel filter business and you could say, well, you know, is Bob like high-tech customer service and spoiling people or is it just the norm? And I think this idea that customer service has changed and millennials are more demanding is a, is a little disingenuous because really all we want is expectations to be met. We just want simplicity. Um, and Gartner surveyed a hundred CEOs and they asked their CEOs, you know, what effect customer experience was gonna have on their businesses in the next couple of years, and 89% answered that customer experience was gonna be the primary basis for competition. And I think that makes sense, right? What, what defines you as a business, as a brand, is how you engage with customers. 
And the challenge is, I think, that there's a lot of software out there, there are a lot of tools out there that can kind of help you build a customer experience and think about the customer journey map, but um, it's a little undifferentiated. And it's hard to kind of keep in focus this idea that uh, customer experience, uh, the customer experience, is, is really just about getting out of the way about simplicity. It's about not losing the thread of the conversation uh, and being authentic. Um, another misconception is that this is, you know, that this is a, this is a, this is a boring kind of uh, backwater in most companies, right? We can think about Wendy Gutierrez and she's saying CRM's totally boring, right? No one gives a shit. But really, that's not exactly true. We work with uh, at Zendesk some amazing brands that have achieved internet scale, right? Think about the, you know, the Groupons, the Lyfts, the Dollar Shave Clubs. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, as well as you know, more traditional businesses like the FCC. And um, a lot of those brands, the ones that really disrupted their industry, they were selling something that was already a commodity, but they, just, they built a different customer experience. And if you look in their organizations, what they did was they put the customer experience, the way that the customers are handled at the center of their business, and they made that the most important aspect, right? Uh, Jeff Bezos of Amazon writes a lot about how we should think about, you know, you know, what drives innovation at Amazon is really, you know, having a customer-first mindset, and it's the customer dissatisfaction with the status quo that moves them forward to make the business more appealing and easier to use and better. And so, from a from a tool perspective, I think it's important that CRM or your customer experience software behaves with the same sort of authenticity and simplicity as a lot of the other tools that you use, right? I mean, and that authenticity is about, well, just do what you say you're going to do. Just be, just be, the, com you know, be the company that we expect you to be. Um, and so we, we at Zendesk think about um, AI, but other techniques that drive that, that can be used to build kind of rich customer experiences and move these experiences forward. And today, what I was going to kind of highlight was sort of four key uh, changes or techniques that we think about when we think about customer experience. Firstly, there's applying a growth mindset to support. I think, um, you know, in general, we shouldn't think about uh, growth techniques, growth hacking, as it were, as being just reserved for the marketing department. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, Consumer expectations have changed in terms of how they can contact businesses and the way that they can engage, and so omni-channel experiences are incredibly important. Um, artificial intelligence gives us an opportunity to, um, to optimize the flow and to do things that weren't possible before at scale uh, in businesses where you had a, you know, it was just one-to-one -one and you had that one-to-one -one engagement. And then capturing the customer behind the analytics, it's data that drives these things. So let's think, look at each of those in turn and talk a little bit about what we mean. Um, so I think we all uh, expect um, to be able to, when we engage with a brand, we all kind of expect to be able to communicate using the tools that we're familiar with, right? That could be email, that could be messaging, that could be mobile. There's, a, there's, a, you know, there's an expectation that we have that when I want to contact a brand, whether it's dieselfilters.com or whether it's some other company, I can do that using the tool of choice for me, and that tool of choice, my preference may change, my preference may switch as I'm having the conversation. Um, 
There's nothing worse than that. You know, you dial up and it's like press one for sales, two for support, three for returns or something like that. Like having that context-free conversation with people and having the seamless omnichannel experience is really about, you know, offering someone a conversation with the context loaded already. So, you know, the best example of that would be you're in the middle of a chat and it's not going so well or it's taking too long and you just sit, call me back. And then eventually your phone will ring, but whoever rings the phone isn't saying press one for sales, two for support. They're saying, hey, Adrian, I've been looking at your problem. This is what we're trying to do, right? And it's that ability to switch between channels conveniently at your convenience, which really defines good customer experiences. Channel preferences change over time. It's clear that, you know, there's a, we, we like to believe there's a generational element to conversations where, you know, some people don't have access to computers, don't like to use their, 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 the smart features of their mobile phones, they're more about taking a call or a call happening. But it's also that um, in certain contexts, you want to help deliver it in a certain way. One example we would use, we have a lot of gaming customers, is gaming where, uh, in gaming, you know, you want to keep people in the game. You want to keep people engaged. And having that customer conversation, you know, breaking them out of, you know, actually player mode and changing player dynamics to say, hey, you know, your credit card's about to expire. If you want to buy those crystals or those cannonballs or whatever, you're going to need to fill this in and do something. Doing that at the wrong moment or making someone go to the website, find the support silo in the website and do it is from a gaming point of view, just, you know, it's just crashing and burning on the experience, right? You want the experience to be immersive and putting support in the middle of it, as they say in the theater, breaks the Brechtian fourth wall of the performance and takes someone out of their context. And so embeddable help, help in the moment is really what it's all about. That could be self-service help, that could be otherwise, right? And self-service is a channel that you have to think of as a channel. Um, the second key concept to think about is capturing the customer behind the analytics. So traditional customer service tools had at their core a uh, customer record. And that customer record was basically, you know, row and column, two-dimensional representation basically uh, in a traditional database, right? At the core of, you know, the largest CRM system in the world is an Oracle table, you know, where customer ID 227 equals Adrian McDermott and he rolls up to some opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's the traditional way of thinking about CRM. But um, market automation, uh, growth marketing, all of these other techniques actually moved way beyond that a long time ago. Um, Jeff Hammerbacher of Cloudera, a big data company, said that the greatest minds of his generation had been working on trying to get people to click on links. And the first thing that the greatest minds of his generation were doing was actually building tools that could consume and handle the volume of experience data needed to get people to click on links. And clicking on links is one outcome, but for the majority of businesses, it's getting people to engage with their business and be better customers, and also to provide a better customer experience and better support. So to do that, we have to think about capturing experience data, not just demographics, right? It's not just about you know, which products am I licensed for, what is my billing address, what's my shipping address, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, what are, what, is, what are all of the things that I have clicked on? What are all of the tickets that I've filed? What are all of the chats that I've had? What is every, you know, mobile interaction? What is the telemetry in game that I've, I've experienced, right? Masses and masses of machine-generated data, orders of magnitude larger than traditional CRM, right? 
data is the fuel that, you, that powers the AI engine in most cases, and that context is the fuel that powers great customer experiences. Technology has shifted. We don't have to think about sort of traditional CRM records anymore. We could think about, you know, big data powering these experiences and understanding a tremendously more customer context. And so capturing that data and organizing it is a, is a key challenge, I think, for modern brands who want to produce modern customer experiences. Um, and I know there are sort of growth marketing, AI marketing talks coming later on, and, and they'll be fabulous, but one thing to think about is, you know, marketing is about, or customer engagement is about looking at the whole customer journey and having the data available at every point in the customer journey, not differentiating by silo of the organization, right? In engineering, we always talk about not shipping our org chart. Just because one product is built here and one product is built here doesn't mean that they shouldn't work together. And I think the same thing is true in organizations where don't ship the org chart separation between support and marketing. And allied to that is this idea of, um, of, of using growth marketing techniques in support. Um, what, we, what, we, what the best brands are doing um, the most modern brands are the ones that have access to, you know, a quote-unquote army of developers and are able to kind of build out rich anticipatory experiences. They're using that experience data and that order data and the things that they know about behavior of their product, you know, shipments, services, whatever. They're using those things together to build custom experiences, right? We're all now getting texts that tell us that our flight is going to be late or a delivery is delayed because of a weather problem you know, in Sweden, whatever it is. We've become used to that. But we also sort of recognize that, that is a, those techniques of anticipating a problem before it happens are currently only available to the biggest brands because they have the most data and those things are custom developed. So, you know, we and others, I think, and these are tools that are available to you, are building tools like Zendesk Connect that are like, okay, well, given the experience data, you should be able to at least create an if this, then that type experience where you're like, you know, if this shipment is going to be late, send something to the customer. And it's not just about shipping or travel or everything else. It's about the small experiences of your product. We use these techniques in Zendesk to look at you know, the biggest clusters of tickets that we have, right? What are the cha most challenging interactions that we see within our product? And that could be, you know, editing an email template because email standards are tough and complicated and every email client is different. You're going to mess it up. Well, at that moment, you know, of, of email template editing, we see that that generates a lot of tickets. And so we're pushing information using kind of, um, uh, like messaging boxes and cards, we're pushing information into the user experience at that point saying, hey, you should try and read this. So, you know, nine out of 10 cats to prefer to edit their email template in this way. All of these kind of things that you can do to engage people in that experience because you know they're going to have a problem. And it's like, don't wait for the problem and get the ticket and then have the conversation and introduce all that friction. Um, if you have the data and you have tools, you can actually get ahead of it. And, um, in, you know, in growth marketing terms, it's about figuring out what your cohorts look like, what your segments look like, doing segmentation, and then figuring out campaigns in action that you want to run across those segments. It's about A-B testing, you know, techniques. We had a hackathon at Zendesk four years ago, and someone made an app, and they called that app the Proactive Ticket App. So basically, you could create a really simple segment of customers, and you could 
push a ticket to them immediately. We, we, start, you know, we saw all of our customers mostly using it for downtime. Right? We're going to have scheduled maintenance at this time. They make a ticket for all the customers affected by it, and the customers kind of respond to them. And it's a super simple technique in some ways, but it's also adapting so much of growth marketing, so much of the mindset of growth marketing, and using it in customer support. And I think at this point in the evolution of software and tools and companies, we're in the, you know, build, do your own analysis, build your own segment, uh, and create your own if this, then that experience. But, you know, the goal would be that um, that pattern matching to create these segments and create the experiences could come from artificial intelligence. One thing that artificial intelligence systems do really, really well, it could even be their superpower, is figure out patterns, right? They're fantastic at pattern matching, they're fantastic at figuring out new patterns. Those algorithms have been around for a long time. 91% of companies with world-leading brand recognition and high levels of customer satisfaction use AI in some way to increase customer satisfaction. And um, we've thought a lot about what are the ways that we can use AI in our tools and in our customer experience to increase satisfaction. And I think um, generally we'd categorize those into three buckets. Um, those buckets are automation, like the removal of repetitive work, recommendation, informing the decisions that humans make, and prediction. And we can, I can talk a little bit about each of those. Um, but it's a, just sort of an organization framework that we have. Uh, I think the clearest one for most people is the, is the automation one, right? So much of customer service, in fact, so much of most business processes, and certainly business processes that are powered by enterprise software, involves repetitive work. They're definitely you know, what Amazon would classify as human interactive tasks, um, tasks that require a human in most cases, or some kind of pattern recognition that goes beyond a, single, a simple algorithm. But in many cases, they're not. Or in many cases, AI could bridge that step with some kind of supervised or unsupervised learning to answer that question, right? An example from our product world, you know, we receive what, however many emails a month it is, a billion on behalf of our customers. And um, a significant portion of those can actually be answered and the issue closed and the question answered with one hit, right? We have a knowledge base. So many of those responses are just, here is the article that tells you how to change your credit card. Here is the article that answers that question, right? We call them one station tickets. Um, and those one station tickets, to a certain extent, can be thought about as maybe quote unquote rep repetitive work. They're, they're, in most cases, if someone was using the self-service tools, they are self-serviceable. Or if they aren't and they have a lot of volume, you as a, as a company, as a brand, should be thinking about making them self-serviceable. And so for us, you know, we have the answer bot. There are bots out there that can do this. But I think the first stage of using uh, AI-based automation in customer service is removing those friction points and freeing people up for higher quality work, basically, and support by uh, removing some of the repetitive work. Once you've kind of removed the one station tickets from customer support or begun to chip away at them more likely because it's a, it's a grind and a process to figure out all of the pieces of content that you need, you, know, you get into recommendation making. And you know, recommendations is you know, another bot that, that does the same thing but on the agent side. I receive your inquiry in chat, something's looking at the chat and telling me you know, 
give them this article, apply this macro to the ticket, do these things right. There's a lot of process, and generally customer service departments have a lot of prior art and can do that. Um, you can go a little bit further, though. One of the features we have is content queues, which you know, if you think about how we process, um, I'm going to use my hands. If you think about how we process all of the tickets that come in, we do entity extraction, and we map each entity or concept in every ticket that ever comes in into a concept space and cluster. And then we do the same thing for every knowledge base article that's written. And you put the two maps together and where they all overlap, well, that's where the answers are to the questions in that cluster. Uh, and then there are places where there's no overlap because there's all these questions with no answer, right? You might have a bunch of questions about, you know, shaving product returns in, in Belgium. And there's a cluster there, shaving Belgium returns, but there's no article. So content queues will tell you, hey, you need to write this article. Like, this is an article that's missing from your system. Um, and to a certain extent, that's next level recommendations. That's why AI is so amazing. And finally, there's prediction, spotting trends that um, humans can't see, right? The human brain is a pattern, ma pattern matching organization. We have experiences the same way that customer customer uh, experience systems, CRMs have experiences, and we look at those experiences, and we are trained by them, and after we see them, we can pattern match and do this, do, you know, we'll, I've never picked up this glass before the, from this table, but I've picked up glasses like it from tables like it. When I'm trained, I can do it. Um, AI can do the same thing, but what's amazing about sort of AI systems is the brain capacity is so much larger, right? If you capture all of that customer experience data, you, you can begin spotting trends that humans just cannot see because the data scale is so much larger than most of us can manage. Uh, an example from our world is satisfaction prediction. For a given brand, we look at all of the tickets that come in, and then we're like, okay, you have given all of the signals in this ticket, the time to respond, the language, which agent it is, blah, blah, blah. You have a 10% chance of getting a good satisfaction rating. Uh, versus another ticket that comes in where it's a one-hit ticket, the bot is going to respond, blah, blah, blah. It's a 100% chance or 90% chance of getting a good satisfaction rating. And more and more, we'll see those kind of you know, systems which to a certain extent are indistinguishable from magic because you can't quite figure out how they're working being part of a customer service experience. I think that's not necessarily conversational bots. That's just using the data you have in a smarter way and applying better techniques because ultimately, like success in AI and customer service is not about you developing a better algorithm. It's about how awesome your data is. The war is not for algorithms. Google won that war. Amazon are winning that war, right? People with more money than you are winning that war. The, the, the war is about how relevant and specific your data is. Quick example from our customer base. So Dollar Shave Club was recently bought for a billion dollars by Unilever Brands, an Anglo-Dutch company. And they are a club that you join, and every month they send you a box with men's grooming products, razors, etc. And they think about their um, subscribers as members. And they classify their tickets, you know, the inquiries that they get as either self-serviceable, like I, the user could have found the answer for this themselves on the web, in our instructions, in the FAQ, whatever it is, or agent required where someone needed to do this. Interestingly, self-serviceable is slightly more expensive. I think that's because you have to hunt for the information yourself, or there's just more, there's just a bigger field of information to find, but it's not statistically significantly expensive. They started using a bot, Zendis answer bot, to answer their questions. Um, and you know, what they found was that the number of self-serviceable 
tickets decreased. And so if you look here, the red bars represent self-serviceable tickets. I think they rolled the bot out in uh, uh, April. And because they have a fixed pool of members, and there are members of the members pool that account for a larger proportion of the inquiries, inquiries especially the self-serviceable inquiries, over time, they were actually training the human population with their AI to go look for the answer themselves, and that's why the proportion went down. Um, what we see here is like the assisted portion is going up because it adds up to 100, and that's actually interesting because what they did with the, with the users, well, with the agents that had free time, free time, is they started focusing more on the more complex issues and on the higher value customers and on creating more knowledge to be more efficient. Um, so there wasn't mass unemployment in the Dollar Shave Club contact center because they suddenly were answering, you know, 7% more inquiries with a bot. Um, they actually said, okay, what defines us, and clearly what defines them as a brand is their customer service. What defines us is our ability to answer questions, and let's enrich that by applying the same human pool that we have to answering better questions. Final graph. Um, this is a graph of customer satisfaction. So the x-axis is the average satisfaction expected, and the y-axis is the time that it took you to first respond to generate that satisfaction. And this is from all Zendesk data a couple of years ago. What you can see is the longer it takes you to respond, the lower your expected satisfaction outcome, unless, of course, you respond immediately with a bot, in which case your expected satisfaction is basically halved. And that's because people like people, right? So whatever you do with AI, don't take the people away, um, because people like people. Okay, uh, I'm Adrian from Zendesk. Thank you very much.